blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. Perfect submission, perfect delight. Visions of rapture now burst at my sight. Angels descending bring from above echoes of mercy, whispers of love. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I in my Savior am happy and blessed, watching and waiting, looking above, filled with his goodness, lost in his love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. These are the familiar words of the hymn, Blessed Assurance, written by Fanny Crosby. Thank you for tuning in today to another edition of Hope for Today. For those of you who did not hear last week's program, I want to give you some brief background information on the great hymn writer, Fanny Crosby. Frances Jan Van Alstine, more commonly known as Fanny Crosby, was an American mission worker poet, lyricist, and composer. A member of the Sixth Avenue Bible Baptist Church in Brooklyn, New York, she wrote many hymns together with her pastor, Robert Lowry. She was one of the most prolific hymnists in history, writing almost 9,000 hymns and gospel songs with over 100 million copies printed, despite being blind from shortly after birth. Crosby was committed to Christian rescue missions and was known for her teaching and her public speaking. By the end of the 19th century, her name was a household name. And I'm going to now um, be using books, uh, their stories of great hymns of our faith. The author who has compiled these hymns and the stories behind these hymns is Robert J. Morgan. And the name of his series of books that I'm drawing these songs by Fanny Crosby from are Then Sings My Soul. Fanny Crosby was born in Putnam County, New York in 1820 and was blinded in infancy through the malpractice of a quack. In 1835, she enrolled in a school for the blind in New York City, staying there 12 years, first as a student and then as a teacher. Her remarkable poetry brought widespread acclaim to the school, and she frequently recited her work for visiting dignitaries. In 1850, Fanny, 30, attended a revival meeting at New York's 30th Street Methodist Church. During these services, she felt something was missing in her life. On two occasions during the meetings, she prayed with counselors, but without gaining assurance of a personal relationship with God. On November the 20th, 1850, as the altar call was given, Fanny went forward and found Christ as her Savior. The congregation was singing Isaac Watts' great hymn about the cross, and it is one of my favorites. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Shortly thereafter, Fanny turned her poetic skills to hymn writing, and many of her songs focused on the theme of the cross, such as, At the cross there is room, blessed cross, room at the cross, 
Save Me at the Cross, and this one, Jesus Keep Me Near the Cross. It was composed after Cincinnati businessman Howard Doan gave her a melody he had written. Fanny, listening to it, felt it said, Jesus Keep Me Near the Cross, and she promptly wrote the words. And here they are. Jesus Keep Me Near the Cross, there a precious fountain, free to all a healing stream, flows from Calvary's mountain. Near the cross, a trembling soul, love and mercy found me. There the bright and morning star shed its beams around me. Near the cross, O Lamb of God, bring its scenes before me. Help me walk from day to day with its shadows o'er me. Near the cross, I'll watch and wait, hoping, trusting ever till I reach the golden strand just beyond the river. In the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever, till my raptured soul shall find rest beyond the river. Occasionally, a hymn drops into the furrows of history to be buried and forgotten a while, only to later spring to life for future generations. That's what happened with Fanny Crosby's To God Be the Glory. It first appeared in Brightest and Best, a little volume of hymns published in 1875 by Howard Doan and Robert Lowry. This small hymnal proved to be a treasure trove, introducing such classics as Christ Arose, All the Way My Savior Leads Me, Savior More Than Life to Me, I'm Thine, O Lord, Rescue the Perishing, Jesus Keep Me Near the Cross, and this one, Praise for Redemption, as it was originally called. As it turned out, praise for redemption wasn't much of a hit. It wasn't widely sung nor included in many hymnals. It just lay hidden for 80 years. In 1954, Billy Graham was planning an evangelistic crusade at London's Harrogate Arena. As Cliff Barrows, music director for the Graham team, was compiling hymns for the Greater London Crusade songbook, Reverend Rank Frank Colohan, a prolific British preacher at Norwich Cathedral and a great lover of hymns, approached him. Colohan gave Barrows a copy of Praise for Redemption with its exuberant chorus, Praise the Lord, Praise the Lord, Let the Earth Hear His Voice. Though unfamiliar with the hymn, Barrows decided to use it anyway. Meanwhile, problems were mounting for Billy Graham. The British press was critical of the young evangelist, and an Anglican bishop predicted he would return to America with his tail between his legs. Funds were short, forcing the Graham team to take pay cuts. A member of Parliament threatened a challenge in the House of Commons, accusing Graham of interfering in British politics under the guise of religion. Friends in high places were advising Graham to cancel or postpone the meetings. Graham, shaken, dropped to his knees repeatedly, beseeching help from heaven. As it turned out, Harrogate Arena was packed for three months, and the crusade sparked a sense of revival across Great Britain. To God be the glory seemed a fitting theme. Fanny Crosby's old hymn was sung almost every night in Harrogate, launching it into worldwide popularity as one of Christianity's favorite hymns. And indeed, it is one of my favorites. Hear these words of To God Be the Glory. <clears throat> Excuse me. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his Son, 
who yielded his life an atonement for sin and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. O come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory, great things he hath done. She is called the queen of American hymn writers and the mother of congregational singing in America. During her 95 years, Fanny Crosby wrote nearly 9,000 hymns. In addition, she was one of the three most prominent evangelical leaders in America during the last part of the 1800s, the others being Dwight L. Moody and Ira Sankey. She was one of America's most popular preachers and lecturers. In many cases, lines of people would circle the block where she was scheduled to speak, hoping to get a seat. When she traveled, it was usually by train, and she was fiercely independent, insisting on traveling alone despite her blindness until she was up in her 80s. Fanny lived in the rundown tenements of Lower Manhattan, so she'd be nearer her beloved rescue missions where she worked with the homeless and addicted. But to me, this is Robert Morgan speaking, but to me the most remarkable thing about Fanny Crosby was her phenomenal memory. After her eyes were blinded in infancy, her grandmother Eunice took a special interest in teaching her Bible verses. Later, a woman named Mrs. Hawley, the Crosby's landlady, took over the job, committed to helping Fanny memorize the entire Bible. Every week, the child was given a certain number of chapters to learn, and Mrs. Hawley drilled them into her during their review sessions together. Fanny learned by heart all of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, plus the four Gospels, most of the Psalms, all of the Proverbs, and many portions of the rest of the Bible. Now, is that not just an absolute amazing thing that she did? From the fountainhead of these scriptures flowed her hymns. Ira Sankey, in his autobiography, gives us the story behind this particular hymn. Fanny Crosby was visiting Mr. W.H. Doan in his home in Cincinnati, Ohio. They were talking together about the nearness of God as the sun was setting and evening shadows were gathering around them. The subject so impressed the well-known hymn writer that before retiring she had written the words to this hymn, which has become one of the most useful she has ever written. The music by Mr. Doan so well fitted the words that the hymn has become a special favorite wherever the gospel hymns are known. It was first published in 1875 in the little hidden treasure of hymns called Brightest and Best. Underneath the hymn was this scripture quotation, let us draw near with a true heart. I am thine, O Lord, I have heard thy voice, and it told thy love to me. But I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer drawn to thee. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. Let my soul look up with a steadfast hope, and my will be lost in thine. O oh, the pure delight of a single hour that before thy throne I spend, when I kneel in prayer, and with thee, my God, I commune as friend with friend. There are depths of love that I cannot know till I cross the narrow sea. There are heights of joy that I may not reach till I rest in peace with thee. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, nearer, 
nearer, blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Bouncing back, that's a quality to be cultivated because life is full of struggles. How do we become resilient, unsinkable, joyful amid the blows and burdens of life? This hymn tells us, A wonderful Savior is Jesus my Lord. He taketh my burden away. He holdeth me up, and I shall not be moved. He giveth me strength as my day. And the, the verse at the top of this page about this hymn is, is from Exodus thirty-three twenty-two. So it shall be, while my glory passes by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. This hymn by Fanny Crosby explains the author's life. For Fanny faced three incredible hardships during her 95 years. The first was her blindness caused by a quack doctor when she was only six weeks of age. The second was a less-than-ideal marriage. Fanny was teaching at the New York Institution for the Blind when a young blind musician named Alexander Van Alstine joined the faculty. Fanny later recalled, After hearing several of my poems, he became deeply interested in my work, and I, after listening to his sweet strains of music, became interested in him. Thus we soon grew to be very much concerned for each other. Love met love, and all the world was changed. We were no longer blind, for the light of love showed us where the lilies bloomed. The two were married on March the 5th, 1858. No one knows what happened, but years later the two drifted apart and in the end occupied separate addresses. Fanny's deepest blow was the loss of her child, To this day, no one knows if it was a boy or a girl. Fanny seldom spoke of the infant. The child's death seemed to have devastated her, and she privately bore this sadness all her life. And in one of the things that I read, it said that um, they believed that the child probably either died of sudden infant death syndrome or typhoid fever. Yet all who knew Fanny Crosby spoke of her energy, her zest for life, her joy, One biographer said, even in extreme old age, she would tire out people 20 or 30 years her junior. She said, how long am I going to travel and lecture? Always. There is nothing that could induce me to abandon my work. It means nothing to be 84 years of age because I am still young. What is the use of growing old? People grow old because they are not cheerful, and cheerfulness is one of the greatest accomplishments in the world. Fanny Crosby lived out her song every day of her life. He hideth my soul in the depths of his love and covers me there with his hand. And here's the song, He Hideth My Soul. And the music for this song was um, written by William Kirkpatrick with, of course, the words by Fanny Crosby. A wonderful Savior is Jesus my Lord, a wonderful Savior to me. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock where rivers of pleasure I see. When clothed in his brightness, transported I rise to meet him in clouds of the sky. His perfect salvation, his wonderful love, I'll shout with the millions on high. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock that shadows a dry, thirsty land. He hideth my life in the depths of his love and covers me there with his hand and covers me there with his hand.
excuse me, I'm switching books here. One June day long ago, the famous blind hymnist Fanny Crosby met with some children under an old apple tree. She thrilled them by reciting a few of her poems and telling them stories. Then she pulled out her wordless book and told them the significance of the colors black, red, white, and gold. When she got to the red page, she said, Red is for blood, and I want you ever to remember that you are redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. Unto him who hath loved us and hath washed us from our sins in his own blood, unto him be honor and praise forever. That was Aunt Fanny's unending message. Many of her almost 9,000 or so gospel songs mentioned her favorite words, redeemed, blood, love, proclaim, lamb, mercy, forever. She was seldom at a loss for words, but she worked best when she had a good tune to go with them. One of her favorite composers was William James Kirkpatrick, a young Philadelphia music editor and publisher with whom she maintained a lively correspondence as long as she lived. I have visited Mr. Kirkpatrick at his home in Philadelphia several times, she once wrote, and I look back upon these occasions with peculiar pleasure. To some of the melodies that he has sent, I have written words that have been largely used for many years in gospel services everywhere. A few of the titles that come to mind now are He Hideth My Soul, He Came to Save Me, Redeemed, and my readers will instantly recall many others. So now hear the words of Redeemed, How I Love to Proclaim It. Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through His infinite mercy, His child and forever I am. Redeemed and so happy in Jesus, no language my rapture can tell. I know that the light of his presence with me doth continually dwell. I think of my blessed Redeemer, I think of him all the day long. I sing, for I cannot be silent. His love is the theme of my song. I know I shall see in his beauty the king in whose law I delight, who lovingly guarded my footsteps and giveth me songs in the night. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed, redeemed, his child, and forever I am. Okay, and I'm going back here. Okay, and here's the verse at the top of this page about this um, uh, song, hymn that she wrote. We believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved. And that came from Acts 15, 11. Fanny Crosby continued writing hymns until the day she died, though she did slow down a bit in her 80s, reducing her quota from 200 hymns a year to about 50. One of her last popular songs was Saved by Grace. She later said it was inspired by a sermon preached by Dr. Howard Crosby, a distant relative and dear friend. And I do want to point out here, I told you all last week, but Bing Crosby was one of uh, Fanny Crosby's relatives. But in this particular message that Dr. Howard Crosby preached, he said that no Christian should fear death. For if each of us was faithful to the grace given us by Christ, the same grace that teaches us how to live would also teach us how to die. His remarks deeply moved Fanny, and she wrote Saved by Grace as a personal hymn for herself not to be published. 
Sometime later at a Bible conference, Dwight L. Moody asked Fanny to share a word of testimony. Caught off guard, Fanny used this poem, saying, There is one hymn I have written which has never been published. I call it my soul's poem. Sometimes when I am troubled, I repeat it to myself, for it brings comfort to my heart. Soon thereafter, it was published and became one of her greats. Several years later, Fanny, who reached the age of 95, realized she was dying, a prospect that brought her great joy. During the last weeks of her life, her face manifested an unusual glow. Numerous people observed it, and it became a curious subject of interest. On February the 11th, 1915, Fanny said she didn't feel well and would stay in bed that day. Tomorrow I shall be well, she declared. That evening she dictated a final hymn. Quote, In the morn of Zion's glory, when the clouds have rolled away, and my hope has dropped its anchor in the veil of perfect day, when with all the pure and holy I shall strike my harp anew, with a power no arm can sever, love will hold me fast and true. At 3.30 in the morning, Fanny's niece, Florence Booth, heard her walking down the hall, presumably going to the bathroom. Rising to see about her, Florence reached her just as she fainted. Florence carried the tiny figure to bed, and Fanny quickly slipped into the presence of the king, fulfilling her own soul's poem. And I shall see him face to face and tell the story, Saved by Grace. And hear the words of Saved by Grace. Some day the silver cord will break, and I no more as now shall sing. But oh, the joy when I shall wake within the palace of the king. Some day my earthly house will fall. I cannot tell how soon twill be. But this I know, my all in all has now a place in heaven for me. Some day when fades the golden sun beneath rosy-tinted west, my blessed Lord will say, Well done, and I shall enter into rest. Some day, till then I'll watch and wait, my lamp all trimmed and burning bright, that when my Savior opes the gate, my soul to Him may take its flight. And I shall see Him face to face, and tell the story, saved by grace, and I shall see Him face to face, and tell the story, saved by grace. And now this is at the end of his third of Robert Morgan's third uh, book of um, hymn stories, and I'm going to read it to you. The, the name of this uh, part is "Blessed Assurance: Jesus Is Mine," and this is the words of Robert Morgan. For some time, I've been thinking of a special ending for this book. I'd like to take the final pages to invite you to the one who breaks the power of canceled sin and sets the prisoner free. I long for everyone on earth to be able to say, It is well with my soul. Jesus is all the world to me. In the middle of the third verse of the great English hymn, Holy, 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 Reginald Heber wrote some magnificent words. Only thou art holy. There is none beside thee, perfect in power, in love, and purity. The message of the gospel, the good news, begins with the holiness of God. He is utterly unique, all-glorious above, the Ancient of Days, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. He is immortal, invisible, God only wise. But another hymn expresses the opposite truth. 
prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. As the Apostle Paul put it in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All our griefs and sorrows are explained in that biblical word, sinned. God is holy, but we aren't. It's a divide greater than the Grand Canyon, greater than the distance between galaxies, greater than the gulf between heaven and hell, but not greater than the love of God. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. That's why God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, though we scarce can take it in. Our great Redeemer came down upon a midnight clear, an infant holy, infant lowly, now in flesh appearing. In the little town of Bethlehem, Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin. He proved his righteousness by living a holy life in a fallen world, and he died on a hill far away on an old rugged cross. It was grace broader than the scope of our transgressions and greater far than all our sin and shame. Jesus paid it all. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. There is power in his blood, and his blood will never lose its power. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. The core of gospel truth is this. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified, freely forever. One day he's coming, O glorious day. The Lord wants to exchange our sin for his salvation our hurt for his healing, and our hell for his heaven. He wants to give us blessed assurance, the confidence of knowing, I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. You can experience God's grace and the assurance of salvation right now by confessing your sins, trusting Christ as your Savior, and acknowledging him as Lord. The Savior is waiting to enter your heart, waiting for you to say, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. If you'd like to receive the Lord Jesus as your Savior or rededicate your life to his service or find assurance of your salvation, just pray these simple words and make them your own. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee. O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Just as I am and waiting not, to rid my soul of one dark blot, to thee whose blood can cleanse each spot. O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Just as I am, though tossed about, with many a conflict, many a doubt, fightings and fears within, without, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. After all, it's not the hymns that change our lives, but Him. Romans 10:9 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. 
and what a day of rejoicing that will be. Where is your hope for today? If it is not in Jesus Christ, you will be disappointed. I leave you today with this verse from Romans 12, 12. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Thank you for listening.